Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder. Under to renew your plates today, visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we talk with the Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture and past President of APAS, Todd Lewis. He looks back at 2022 and ahead to 2023. A researcher at the University of Saskatchewan wants to hear from farmers and ranchers about any cougar sightings in Saskatchewan. Real Agriculture talks about cattle production, and we hear about the upcoming Saskatchewan Young Agriculture Conference. The farm weather's in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today, farmfreshwater.ca. The Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture says there were two vastly different stories for farming in 2022. Todd Lewis of Gray says there was abundant rainfall in the eastern grain belt, while the western portion suffered from drought. Well, you know, the province as big as Saskatchewan, it was a vastly different story from, uh, you know, one side of the province to the other, or even north to south. Certainly the east side of the province, we saw a bounce back, really, as far as uh, moisture conditions. And even in some areas uh, in the eastern side of the province, there's even excess moisture. Whereas on the west side of the province and west central areas, we went through a, a drought conditions again and and in some cases, even a, a further deepening of the drought situation. So it's a, a good news story and bad story, bad news story, unfortunately, across the province, depending where, where your location was and, where, and in many cases, just where the thunder shower fell. So it's still a, a situation, in, uh, especially on the west side of the province, where we have drought conditions and uh, really going into next spring, there's lots of questions as far as lack of moisture in cropland and pastures. And, and you know, we, we're certainly seeing our livestock industry really hardly affect you know affected in a in a very negative way as far as water availability and uh, even water to uh, keep their herds in in operation and on the land uh, you know we've seen record amount amount of uh, cattle and a decrease in the cattle herd and so hopefully uh, you know this uh, winter has been a pretty hard start to winter and we've we've seen some uh, snow and moisture and hopefully we'll see more and try and replenish some of the some of the moisture that's lacking in certain parts of the province and and of course we're hoping in those parts of the province to saw a little extra moisture that we don't get too much flooding or excess moisture in the spring but at the same time uh, you know it's pretty hard to uh, do anything when you don't have moisture so we're we're certainly hoping to see some general snowfall and uh, rain in the spring to to uh, replenish things going forward Reflect on farm prices this past year and rising costs. 
Well, it's, you know, record. We, we never put more money into a crop than we did this spring. Uh, fortunately, it was offset with also some very high and in many cases record commodity prices. So it's a balancing act. Of course, uh, when expenses go up, risks go up and high prices won't be, be here forever. And it always uh, seems to take longer for uh, input prices to uh, follow if we see a drop in crop prices. So I think that's the biggest concern with farmers right now. They they look at the the numbers that they're they're putting out when the springtime comes and and spraying season starts and all the outputs as far as herbicide costs and fertilizer costs and seed costs are all at record levels and it's good to have the record prices and uh, we certainly need them to offset these prices but uh, I think that's the everybody's waiting for the the shoe to drop if we see a drop in those commodity prices we're going to have some pretty high input prices to uh, in, that won't follow quite as quickly when the commodities start to drop but. But I think overall, at the same time, it's a it's a positive time for agriculture, and we've seen some uh, record uh, income, and and uh, so that's a good thing. And on some some producers have been able to catch up on some uh, debt repayment, and uh, you know there's some new equipment in a lot of yards, and we certainly see uh, you know things like uh, the auction sales and uh, used equipment is hard to come by. Uh, you know that 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 has a lot to do with a lot of supply chain issues and so on. It's difficult to buy new uh, equipment right now, not only because it's been bought, but also as the suppliers are having a hard time supplying new equipment as well. So it's a, like I say, it's a real balancing act and we get through all the problems that have occurred because of COVID and, and some of the transportation issues we had as far as supply chain. It's an interesting time to be farming and it's certainly heightened risk, but, but also heightened reward. And your outlook for 2023, you pessimistic or optimistic? Well, I think most farmers are fairly optimistic. That's why we're in the business. If we weren't optimists, we, we probably wouldn't be in the business. But I think there's some uh, clouds on the horizon, but there's also lots of opportunities. And I think overall, it's really the, the, the biggest part that really defines on a individual farm is what their moisture levels are at going into the fall. As, as I said before, a lot of farmers are exceptionally dry and other farmers are at normal moisture, maybe even above uh, normal moisture, and those farmers have been fortunate enough to get timely rains and, and have some excess moisture. I think generally those farmers are fairly optimistic, but the dry areas of the province, you know, there's uh, lots of hard decisions they have between now and spring if it doesn't rain, that's for sure. So I think it's a mix of fairly optimistic, but lots of pessimism too if, if you're in part of the province where it's been exceptionally dry. Todd Lewis of Gray is the Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture and past President of... Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Conexus Credit Union. A researcher at the University of Saskatchewan wants to hear from farmers. She wants to gain a better understanding of the cougar population in our province. Tammy Windsor says while there's been extensive research in British Columbia and Alberta, not a lot is known about cougars and their travel paths in Saskatchewan. The Prairie Cougar Research Project is sponsored by the University of Saskatchewan Department of Biology's Animal Population Ecology Lab. Reporter Neil Billinger spoke to Windsor about the Cougar Research Project. Cougars tend to really not like people and with cougars, they are a specialist. They like to feed on white-tailed deer for the most part. If you have a very large male cat, then they'll go for a larger prey size, like elk or moose calves, maybe. So the female cougar that has some kittens, the kittens grow to be a couple years old. They're not quite large enough to take down a deer, so then instead they'll go for calves. I think it's relatively rare for cougars to take down cows because they're too large, but that being said, Sometimes you hear from the public that like, oh yeah, you know, this cow is taken down by a cougar. 
the thing is, is that when you're doing necropsies on animals, you really need to have an eye to know what you're looking for. Because some people assume, oh, you know, the throat was ripped out. There must be a cougar. And you're like, well, coyotes also do the same. So quite often that's why it's good for them to report it to crop insurance. And then they have a biologist that comes and check and try to confirm what species was involved. Do cougars travel in groups or or do they tend to uh, travel on their own when they reach the adult stage? Cats tend to be solitary because they are territorial. Once a female is in heat, then she'll meet up with a male cougar. But then right after, she wants to get rid of him because he will actually kill the kittens. So the only time you see a group of cats, it's normally a female and her kittens. And then sometimes her kittens get old to be a couple years old and they might still interact somewhat with their mom. So other than when they're really young, there's really not much of a family unit there. Not, I I guess it's hard to say. Like, I think... I think the kittens might interact with their mom for maybe a couple of years. And then normally like the males would, they, they would find new territories and they won't see each other anymore. But there has been cases where they'll be like, oh, look, you know, the mom's daughter who's five years old decided to stop by for a visit for a bit. There's kind of cases like that. So we think there's a little bit of family interaction that goes along by them. But for the most part, they're pretty solitary. Do we have a better handle on the cougar population in, in places like BC and Alberta? Yeah, BC, they have multiple cougar projects. They are studying cougars in Vancouver Island. In Vancouver, they have one around Williams Lake that they started out, I think, one or two years ago. And then they have another study in Kelowna. And then in Alberta, they're wrapping up their cougar study that's in Edmonton. And then I think they have another study in Calgary. I know that one of the parks in Alberta, they want to start a collaring project on cougars. And then in the States, there's also... A number of projects. Cougars, are they all very similar? Are there different breeds or what can you tell us about that? Cougars throughout North America, Central America, and I think maybe even South, they're all the same species. But that being said, they do have genetic diversity and those are called designatable units. That's how they're split up. Throughout the States, for example, in California, I think they have like five or six different DUs of cougars and each of them you kind of protect and manage them separately. So in Saskatchewan, we don't know what the genetic diversity might be for cougars because we might be receiving some cougars from the States and some from Alberta. We might have two different, like the same species, but two different variations of genes, which would be interesting to find out. Tammy Windsor is conducting a survey on the cougar population in Saskatchewan. She wants to get first-hand information from farmers and ranchers about cougars in their area. We'll have more on that after. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Jay Strobe here with realagriculture.com and we're here for another episode of the Beef School and I'm joined today by Karen Boschman of AAFC Lethbridge and today we're talking about starch. So let's start from the top and how important is starch in a cattle ration? 
Um, well, starch is the main source of carbohydrate in a feedlot diet and carbohydrates supply energy. So starch is, is a source of highly digestible energy. So it's very important for meeting the energy requirements of the animal. All right, so are all sources of starch equal? Not all starch is the same. It depends on the type of grain. So it really depends on the way that starch is bundled in the kernel, for example. So with corn, the starch is within a protein matrix. And so when that corn goes into the rumen, the bacteria first have to digest off the protein to gain access to the starch. And, that, and because of that, the corn is more slowly digested in the rumen. That's not the case for barley and wheat. So barley and wheat, the minute that kernel is broken open, the bacteria can enter into the, uh, and gain access to the starch. So it's more highly digested in the rumen. So because of the way that starch is bundled in the kernel, uh, those grains respond to processing in a different manner, which affects the energy availability of those grains. All right. Can you have too much starch in a diet? Uh, it's not really a question of too much starch. It's a question of making sure that you balance the starch and the rate of fermentation of that starch with adequate fiber and other factors to help prevent rumen acidosis. So the fiber physically effective fiber, long particles, for example, uh, stimulate the animal to chew its cut or ruminate. And that's very important because during rumination, there are salivary buffers that are released and those go into the rumen and that helps buffer off the acids. So it's not a question of too much starch, it's a question of making sure that you reduce the risk factors for acidosis. Acidosis is a digestive disorder and it's associated with feeding high starch, highly fermentable carbohydrates. And acidosis is really the result of pH in the rumen decreasing to a point where there's a cascade of events in the rumen that are unhealthy for the animal. So when the pH drops, you have a change in the microorganisms that can function at that low pH and you have more bacteria that can produce lactic acid, which further drops the pH. And when the pH drops and it's low for a while, you can have impaired barrier function of the rumen wall, the epithelium for absorption. Uh, you can have decreased motility in the rumen, so those acids aren't being moved to the site of absorption. There's, the rumen isn't being cleared out of the undigested material. And the bacteria that survive at those low pH can produce toxins that enter into the bloodstream and can cause uh, inflammatory response. So there's a whole cascade of events all because of the low pH in the rumen. All right, so what can we do to avoid acidosis? So um, acidosis is really a question of balancing the rate at which those acid, the amount of acid that's produced in the rumen and the rate that those acids are produced with the rumen's ability to buffer or absorb those acids or to neutralize the acids. So it's really a question of making sure that you're no overfeed to, um, or exceed the animal's ability to handle that and to provide, as I mentioned, adequate physically effective fiber that's buffering in the rumen. And there's other things, bunk management, for example, it's very important to feed consistent, um, consistent time a day, every day, the same amount, so that animals don't overeat. It's really a question of avoiding them 
eating too fast and eating too much. What about the weight of an animal? How does that impact the amount of starch in their diet? Okay, so a lighter animal would have a lower energy requirement. So you'd have to be careful when feeding a high starch diet that you don't over uh, feed grain over the re requirement of the animal or the animal will start depositing fat rather than lean tissue growth. Whereas a heavier animal has more requirement for maintenance and for gain and so it's much easier to meet that energy requirement with a higher starch diet. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Periods of light snow today, winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high today, minus 13. The low, minus 15. Friday, mainly sunny, winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high, minus 11 tomorrow. The wind chill near minus 23 tomorrow morning. The low, minus 17. Sunny on Saturday with a high, minus 15. Low, minus 17. Sunday, New Year's Day, partly cloudy, high minus 15, the low minus 18. Monday, partly cloudy with a high minus 11, the low minus 15. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 12, the low minus 16. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 12. Normal high for this date, minus 11, the normal low is minus 23. The sun rose at 8.59 this morning, it sets at 5.02 tonight. And currently, uh, around the province, the hot spot is Cypress Hills at minus 5 degrees. The cold spot up north, LaRange, at minus 27. Estevan and Saskatoon, both minus 13. Swift Current, minus 9. Weyburn, minus 13. Yorkton is minus 18. Overcast in Regina with some light snow, very light snow in the air. It's minus 13, that's 9 above Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west at 9. Humidity is 84%. The barometric pressure rising, 101.1. Overcast in Moose Jaw, minus 10. The wind is calm. Once again, Regina, overcast, some very light snow. It's minus 13, 9 above Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems. Experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer is just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. This is part two on a study on cougars in the Saskatchewan Grain Belt. We're back with Tammy Windsor, a graduate student at the University of Saskatchewan. She is conducting research into the provincial cougar population and is looking for input from farmers and ranchers. If they find scat or tracks, if they see a cougar, even if they hear one, if they find a dead animal that they think was killed by a cougar, or if they even found a carcass of a cougar, all of that counts. Fur we could send that off to a lab and confirm whether or not it's a cougar. 
Does it have to be this year, or can it be a sighting from last year or a couple of years ago? I'm doing all historical data. So even if they've seen something like five or ten years ago, that's still important because that can tell me how cougars might be moving across the landscape over time. So, like, for example, I guess five years ago they started trapping cougars in Cypress Hills because they had too many in that location. So that's going to tell me, I'm assuming, that people probably have seen less of cougars throughout the whole province over the last five years because ever since that trapping started. But maybe before that five years, you might see more. So it's really important for people to report cougars that they've seen throughout their lifetime in the province. At the end of this project, what do you hope to be able to do? At the end of this project, I'm hoping to be able to determine their population distribution and their abundance throughout the province. And then the second thing I'm going to look into is see if they have corridors, like migratory routes, or if they have breeding populations. And then I can look up habitat selection to figure out what habitats are they selecting for and what are they not selecting for. And from there, I can do more predictions on where cougars might be now and where to expect them because there's no way I can calculate where all the cougars are just based off public data. But you can use complicated data analysis to compensate for that. And then I'll also be looking at how cougars might be interacting with other species, like where their populations or territories overlap. And I might also look at the human index of where people throughout the province versus where cougars and where might some of these encounters be having. By knowing where the cougars are, is it a, a safety issue or, or does it maybe help livestock producers better plan for protection or what the other purposes other than knowing how many of them there are and where they travel would this information be good for? Well, right now I'm doing a baseline study as in we're just trying to discover the most basic ecological factors that we can determine with cougars. But that being said, that data could be used in future amongst doing additional studying to answer questions like that. So first you have to know where the cougars are before you can start answering all of the other possible questions. Once we know where there are cats, then it can become easier to manage them, which could lead into the areas where people might be encountering cougars and having problems with them. But that would be like a side study. If somebody has information about cougars that they think that you might be interested in, what should they do? They can either go onto my website, skcougars.ca, and on that website, it'll send them to a link in SurveyMonkey where they can report their encounter with a cougar, or they can email me directly at sk.cougars at usask.ca. And who's putting on this this project? Is is this sponsored by anybody, or is this just a, a project that you're doing as part of your studies? So it's sanctioned and sponsored by the University of Saskatchewan through the Department of Biology, and it's the Animal Population Lab. Tammy Windsor is a graduate student at the University of Saskatchewan. She started a two-year study on the provincial cougar population. If you've seen cougar tracks or scat in your area, Tammy would like to hear from you. She can be reached by email at sk.cougars at symbol usask.ca or by phone at 306-713-3639. Photos or reports of cougar sighting in previous years are welcome. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. 
Sask Young Ag holds a two-day conference in Saskatoon in early January. Event Committee Chair Carla Bodich is hoping for a good turnout of young people interested in the future of farming. Sask Young Ag is a group for young agriculturalists, so both producers and industry folks under the age of 40. Um, and our primary goal is to bring people together for knowledge and then to build your network in the industry as well. When are you holding your conference? Our conference is in Saskatoon, January 5th and 6th. And what will the topics be? So our key topics will be everything from farm financials, mental health, leadership, markets, and our keynote speaker is Wayne Lee. What's the key purpose of the conference? South Young Ag has a vision for a Saskatchewan that embraces and elevates young agriculture leaders. So come join us to grow your peer network, learn from industry professionals, and be the future of the ag industry. So how does someone find out the information where to uh, attend or how to get to the conference and what does it cost? Follow SAS Young Egg on social media for updates and you can register today with a full agenda available on sasyoungegg.ca. And so once again, what do you hope to accomplish from this conference? Mostly it's a place for everyone to gather. I know connection has been something we've been lacking in the last couple of years. So bring people together to learn from each other's experience and knowledge. And then we have some wonderful speakers to help you grow your knowledge base and become more educated and know more information and better yourself as an industry person or as a producer. The Sask Young Ag Conference runs January 5th and 6th in Saskatoon. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in, in Regina and Fort Capel. And Farm Fresh Water, they'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra prices for canola gained eight dollars and thirty cents at eight fifty one zero two. Oats rose ten dollars at two sixty four thirty two. Number one red spring wheat fell seven thirty four at four eighteen o three. The rest were unchanged. Durham four ninety six twenty eight. Fee barley three fifty six fifty seven. Chickpeas nine twenty five ninety five. Flax six eighty two ninety eight. Lentils seven sixty seven fifty. Yellow peas four seventy six eighty nine. And feed wheat two eighty nine fifty six. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, hard red spring wheat for March fell fourteen cents at nine twenty. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock, 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. Good afternoon. This is Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of December the 28th. No sale this week. We are on our Christmas break. We did have a very exciting year at Heartland Yorkton. We want to thank our current customers and new customers for that. We did end the year off with some very good prices in our last pre-sort. 650-pound steers at 283. 710 pound steers at 265 and 800 pound steers at 252. We're going to start off the new year with our first pre-sort on January 11th. We have 2350 head consigned so far. This sale is always a smoking hot sale and one of my favorite sales. Don't be scared to sell at this sale. One of my favorite former employees always says, don't have to bring them all, just bring a few. 
And don't forget to book your trucks to avoid any disappointment. At this time, myself and the rest of the Heartland staff would like to wish everyone a new year filled with good health and a joyous and prosperous new year. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. Have a safe New Year's, everyone. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Amsel, 12,400 hogs Wednesday. Selling in a range of 204 to $217 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,400 head. Selling in a range of 201 to $215 per CKG. Hams number one sows this week are down. Selling in the range of 33 to 39 cents per pound live weight. Hams cash hog price today is down and four contract prices open lower this morning. On Wednesday, the Canadian dollar is up 21 basis points with a daily exchange rate 1.3565. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 73.86 cents US. U.S. cash markets experienced some downward pressure in yesterday's trade, with the national base price losing nearly $2 U.S. 100 weight compared to the previous day. The slaughter schedule of any plant has been dynamic over the holiday period, but uncertain weather today and over the last week has added more uncertainty. As one would expect, early week pork product values appreciated due to the short-term supply disruption, but yesterday's declines in picnics, hams, and bellies all led to a decline in the pork cutout value of $2.25 a hundredweight. We can expect more volatility in the cash hog markets over the next week as several plants will be taking more time for statutory holidays from their production schedule, and another winter storm could start to impact hog and pork logistics later this morning. Lean hog futures opened this morning's trade with modest declines across the board, but overall still maintained the gains that were experienced early this week in response to the hogs and pigs report. All spring and summer futures contracts are trading within dollar hundred of their contract highs have been on a generally positive trend over the last three months. Recent features of the market that have contributed to the support have been a hog supply that still shows no sign of growth, but pork supplies are generally being drawn down. Increased exports to Mexico account for most of the drawdown in ham inventory and represents a major shift that is adding support to domestic prices. Coming up, the- this is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. Calgary-based Suncor Energy says its Colorado refinery is offline following multiple fires and it expects to be out of commission until late March. The company says the 98,000-barrel-a-day Commerce City refinery was damaged by the extreme and record-setting weather that swept across large parts of the continent, leading it to initiate a shutdown of the refinery December 24th. Notifications from the company show early damage included a pump fire on December 19th, while alarms that were triggered on December 22nd and December 24th with a warning that community members may have seen smoke. Suncor says another fire broke out December 27th as the company was working to shut down the entire refinery to conduct inspections and repairs. The company says there are no reported injuries and that air quality data showed no acute public health concerns. Suncor is under heightened scrutiny for its safety record after at least 12 workers have died at its oil sands operations in northern Alberta since 2014, while earlier in December, Newfoundland and Labrador's offshore oil and gas regulator laid charges against the company for alleged safety violations. On the markets, the TSX has gained 216 points to 19,500. The Dow has risen 406 points to 33,282. Oil has gone down $1.08 at 7788 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 73.80 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. 
Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.